Hello, welcome back to OP is OP, the podcast where we go through the One Piece manga front to back. I, as always, am Jacob, the super rookie of One Piece, joined by my co-host, the super veteran, Justin. Take it away. Hello. As you all know, today we are discussing the post-Ennies Lobby arc, which starts at chapter 431 and concludes at 441. But these, just these 10 chapters are jam-packed with all kinds of reveals information reveals bunch of stuff we gotta (laughs) jump into it let's go (laughs) well fuck right away rebecca water seven right away galila's back to work rebuilding and it's just like right away i'm like i'm happy right away because i'm just like we're back at water seven so i'm happy right away it feels good to to be back yeah yeah, everyone's getting back to work. We even see the giants they picked up from Eni's lobby assisting with the rebuilding effort. So I'm like, yeah, that's great. Yeah, um, good guy, Oyamoyo and Kashi. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say, like, the part of the world building where it's like the giants have like, a huge honor system because it's like, oh, we find out that the two giants are still fighting. It would be the biggest crime in the world if we went there right now to interrupt the fight. We can't go back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let them fight. We let, let them duke it out. And it's like, all right, all right. I hope we see more of the giants in the future because it's like, at this point, we've seen, what, five giants now, including Jaguar? In the, yeah, including Saul from the flashback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... So we've least... seen four giants from Elboth, and now one giant not from Elboth. Mm-hmm. Right, the one that calls the other giants the savages are my... Yeah. Jesus, Jesus Jack. But that, that's interesting, because we know it's not just a homogenous, you know, thing, the giants. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So we'll keep an eye on that. Um, We also see uh, Iceberg and Frank. They're a bit more chill with each other. They're not, you know, hostile with each other. But what I did like was Iceberg going like, so you burnt the, you blur- you burnt the blueprints right in front of them. So they have a grudge against you now. And, I, and Frank's just like, yeah, I guess. What are you drawing over there? <laughs> so, <laughs> like Frankie yeah. has no regrets. I love it. He has no regrets. It's, it's also it. cathartic because now they can reconnect a little bit without the fear that they're being watched. Because mm-hmm. they, they know now that those people were around, they were being watched, but now they're no longer there because they've been dealt with. So yeah, it's exactly. cool seeing them, like, the kind of, they're brothers, basically, in my opinion. And it's nice oh, seeing yeah. them be able to, like, get a little moment there in, in our post Ennis lobby arc. Exactly. And then, exactly what he was drawing is actually the next big project. So, Tom built the Puffing Tom, you know, boats, uh, sorry, not boats, trains that float to around the water, like boats. But... Mm-hmm. Iceberg has the big plan of trying to make Water 7 float because he's aware it's sinking. So my brain was going, so are you, is it going to be as simple as putting like some kind of devices at the bottom of, because we know the item has a bottom, right? So it's like, are you going to put stuff at the bottom to make it float? Are you going to be able to build a brand new artificial island? Are you going to make it like, is the artificial island going to be like a boat that can sail around and still look like Water 7? I don't know, but my imagination was just like, I hope we see it in the future because it seems like a, yeah. a pretty big, big damn deal. And then on top of that, since we're talking about the same family, we find out that the 200 million, not the 200 million that Frankie stole back in water seven, he spent it on one shipload of something. And it's yes. like, we finally get the call back to it. Cause originally I was fine with it. Just thinking, Oh, he just bought a bunch of party materials and they just party. Yeah. Right. I was fine with that. But instead, we get this whole reveal that, oh, by the way, have you heard of the jewel tree from this war-torn island called Adam that's known to have the strongest bark available known to the world? I'm going to build a ship 
with that. And I'm just like rubbing my hands going, I wonder for who (laughs) the ship to possibly sail to the ends of the world like that dream. He said, I'm just, again, this is just one chapter and I'm just like, Oh, there's so much things coming together right away. Yeah. And we also, while we're on this little plot line, we got Mm -hmm. to, we see, we saw a new scene, right. From Frankie that was not in his original flashback where he does officially announce that that was his dream. Like one day I'm going to build, a ship like the ship of dreams is going to sail to the end of the world. I'm going to and I'm going to board it right as a shipwright. I think he says. As a yeah. Kid. So as I think official dream. I think originally we already knew that he wanted to build a ship, but now we it's extended to where it's like now I want to be a part of that crew. Right. He's yeah. Like I want to sail with my ship to the end of the world, which is a big difference to that place yeah. that only the pirate king has went. Basically, right. Yeah. Exactly. It seems like he's saying, which makes sense to me as his. His father is, uh, yeah, the one who or was a member Roger, of yeah. the Roger Pirates. Yeah, mm-hmm. presumably he sailed with them on as it well mm-hmm. for a little bit. Yeah, so we're seeing a lot of parallels here. So it's it's a very common motif in shonen series. So I'm not surprised by that by all. Mm-hmm. Um, Honestly, it's it's interesting that it's taken this long to really get something of that sort. Mm-hmm. Where, like, the son of the former Pirate King shipwright is now the shipwright of the man who clearly is going to be the next King of the Pirates. Yeah, and I'm I'm appreciative of that, because, again, I thought originally that Luffy might have been a direct descendant of Goldie Roger, uh, and then maybe that, oh, are they going to imply that Zoro is also a relative? Like, remember, I think I said earlier that Zoro looked like he was related to Smoker? I still think they look look similar. I still think they look similar. (laughs) I will never forget that. (laughs) That's my favorite theory you've ever presented to me. And and Usopp is the son of a crew member who's with Shanks' crew. We got to see Yasopp in the panel Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. section, too. Real quick, real quick. But, yeah, and then just what I want to think of, though, sorry to divert from that, because... Where is this island? They never said. Did they say the name of the island? They just said it was War Torn. No, no, they do not. Okay, because I'm still. The tree is called the Adam. Treasure Tree Adam. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is biblical reference for those who don't know. But like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very likely. I-, I would think so. <laughs> like, it's not that not that it actually is the first tree, but the name implies it's the like the origin the origin because of how strong it is like yeah. maybe not literal but metaphorical it is because the quality of the bark and also i'm appreciative too where it's like yeah if you have that much money from your uh pillage then yeah i was gonna say spend all that money on the best quality small ship you can and it looks like frankie did that for the crew so i'm super down for that and whatever yeah, he's I, planning to do i don't think there's much evidence for it or to be honest i don't think there's really any evidence but i always got the idea or the notion the feeling more like that the adam tree was on elbaf and i don't i don't know why elbaf what's that again that's the the giant island elbaf uh, the warrior you, giants the warrior giants because. i could i could see that that makes some sense yeah i could, I could see that i could see that which um, is somewhere in the new world yeah or maybe someplace well i was gonna say maybe someplace connected to jaya Right, because that's known to have like the super giant and uh, or massive like sky trees. island somewhere that would be interesting. Yeah, yeah, another variant of that. Who knows? Because remember that Jaya is the shape of a skull. So I guess maybe if, you, a... <laughs> if it is on a, a floating island, you get a kind of that's like a Yggdrasil trope, right? <laughs> Baby tree, it floats yeah, exactly. On a, an mm-hmm. island above like the world, yeah, yeah. And then obviously back in the day, if you were to name that the Sometimes, tree, maybe in some versions, I guess. 
Yeah. I like to think, though, that, you know how there's the Skype end up being a floating skull? I like to think there's a floating torso, there's a floating right arm, a floating left arm. Adam came from the left leg. <laughs> it's just like it came from that specific island. I like to think of that. But, um... Yeah. So, it looks like... And then at the end of this chapter, we see that... I actually had this question, too, back at Water 7, or I think Edie's Lobby, I think. What happened to all the stuff on the ship? Because it oh yeah, like you did ask. Mm-hmm. Because I was wondering, like they unpacked their stuff the first time that Luffy and Usopp fought back in Water Seven, but where did it go? Like, was it all the hotel? Didn't wasn't the mob mad? I don't know what happened to it. And then the Mary Go got dumped the second time. I don't know where the stuff went. And then we got our answer that the stuff was all confiscated, including the tangerine trees, and it's all returned, including most of the hundred million uh, berries left over. So I'm like, okay, that answers all my questions right there. Cool. Yeah. And then we that, was, that was good. Like, oh yeah, like you were wanted at the time, so we stole your stuff. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. And the, and then now they're all apologizing because now they're on good terms with Iceberg, and that's what matters. If you're good with Iceberg on Water Seven, you're good with the people. Yeah. And we get a surprise visit from someone I did not expect. We, it starts off oh, with yeah. like <laughs> the government catching up, right? And it's like, oh, this guy who's masked up. Oh, he shot him. This crazy old guy. Oh, he's super strong. Oh man, he's got these two people that are also like mysterious. And then he breaks down a wall like the Kool-Aid man. And then he goes, hey, Luffy, it's your grandpa. (laughs) And you're like, huh? (laughs) But of course, I think initially um, Luffy was still passed out because of all the energy he spent from the last fight. So he gets woken up like this rude awakening by the grandpa. (laughs) Um, I thought that was so... In this scene, what I thought was kind of just a little bit of world building almost or what a it kind of put a crew interaction into my head where i thought about it luffy's asleep he's knocked out oh yeah even if they tried to wake him up they probably could not because he's made of rubber and they can't really like do anything to him and on top of that you cannot have a old trick where it's like oh let you just hold meat in front of him maybe he'll wake up you can't because he learned how to (laughs) eat while sleeping now the biggest power up of all yeah, you joked now around where it's like, sleeping. yeah. So he never even needs to wake up again, really, and exactly. be happy. <laughs> He's only awake for the action, everything, and the adventure. Everything else, just sleep and eat, sleep and eat at the same time if need be. But, um, yeah, we get to see uh, Monkey D. Garp. So that tells me, okay, Monkey is the family, actual family name, Monkey. And there's the D again, and his name is Garp. He right. is a vice admiral for the government. And we get a little bit of background where one... The grandpa is, is an asshole. He's abusive uh, caretaker where he's like, oh, I left you and Ace in the forests and up in the sky and in the ocean because I was making you guys stronger to be Navy men. Now look at you. You're a bunch of pirates. <laughs> it sure did work, though. Can't yeah. deny that. Well done, yeah. grandpa. They're both incredibly strong. <laughs> That's called karma. Fuck you. Like, oh, I'm going to make you guys the best Navy men. But it's yeah. like, oh, we're very strong karma. men. Yeah, we're very strong men, but not for the right faction. <laughs> not to the grandpa, anyway. Um, and then the gr- in this scene we get oh wait you had more to say my bad well I was going to add on to I think what you were going to say where it's like what Garp's main intention is to provide that little bit of background detail about Luffy's life but also a massive world building drop where we get a new faction the four emperors of the grand yeah. line yep and and for the record for you if you're ever well when we catch up one mm-hmm. day and if you want to go on like forums and you know theorize there's those are also called the yonko which is just four emperors like four kings yonko okay yonko usually makes... people will call them yonko but four emperors is equally correct mm-hmm. and popular 
I appreciate the term emperor, though, over king, because emperor is usually like you think of massive empire, whereas king, you think kingdom. I always thought there, you, an empire rules over kingdoms. I, I think Ko is translated as king sometimes, but I think emperor is a more appropriate translation. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm just, th- I'm just, I'm just, yeah, it pretty literally is for emperors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then we learn that Whitebeard and Shanks are two of the four emperors. So you're thinking, all right, so top tier dogs. Shanks is one of the highest ranked or highest respected yeah. or inferior Garp pirates. Garp lays it out. Like four strongest pirates in the world. Mm-hmm. Shanks is one of them. Yep. And Whitebeard is the other one. So, and then he, they, and then Garp emphasized too, where it's like, there's a balance of power right now that it's basically the four emperors versus the Navy and the seven warlords that help out the Navy. So that's, that's to put in the terms how powerful and influential the four emperors are within the grand line. Yeah. And because we haven't met any of them yet like in their own home territory yet that tells me that they're definitely in what we learn later is the new world this this highlights something that i do kind of want to bring attention to yeah that i like about one piece a lot Mm. because there is a lot of there's a military struggle going on constantly which is it's like a good backdrop and even though it's kind of between an unofficial and un uh, unhomogenous again i've said that word twice in this episode <laughs> like group which is pirates right they all function yeah. individually and they're not they're not together, all aligned but they're against the marines and they're in tandem in that yeah but in one piece it's not necessarily about the like the number of your pieces it's about the quality it's more oh, like yeah, it's definitely. like chess whereas like one of your pieces you know is enough to wipe out like an entire enemy platoon if you if you use that piece correctly yeah, and if you're basically one of the four emperors, you're kind of cheating where all of your backboard is all queen figures. It's yeah, it's like you're, you're, you're a queen and most of your crew members are also like queens and rooks. Yeah, all your all, like. yeah, all your pawns in the front are actually just rooks and knights. Like they're all like the crazy figures and all in the right. back so are all like, queens. It, it's easy to imagine how like a really powerful crew, like when the Navy has like sure thousands of pawns, but they've mm-hmm. got, and they're actually like, there's even more of a power gap between a pawn and or between a like a low level grunt in one piece and like a strong person than there is oh, yeah. between a pawn and a queen, but that's like what I'm trying to get at. The, yeah, that makes sense. Because I like then, that one person, like Shanks, is I'm assuming incredibly, incredibly powerful, and he alone uh, with three other people is enough to like completely challenge a whole government organization of people. Oh, he definitely could. We see in a scene later, I think of like five chapters down the line, that he has something with him that definitely makes him like a one man army for the most part. And yet to add on to what you're saying, that also makes sense why, like, yeah, that's why the Navy has a bunch of numbers to keep the order with smaller towns, like, you know, back at East Blue, right? You have a bunch of Navy men, but you also have, like, some mercenary groups like Barack Works that have a bunch of henchmen, but at the same time, it's like, they're not that powerful. That's why they're at the very beginning of the Grand Line. They're not, like, anywhere deep in the New World, Mm -hmm. or they're from the East Blue itself. That's also why, looking back on it, that's why Don Krieg didn't last long, even though he had 50 ships. He had a whole armada, because one dude, Mihawk was able to tear through 49 of the ships and leave the 50th in pieces. So yeah, this it's the it's the power scaling. It's the it's the shonen trope, the power scaling, but it's done very well here. Where you're like, yeah, it makes sense where you started from and where you're going. So And ready. we we have gotten a glimpse at what I think we can pretty much establish as the ceiling at this point, which was Mihawk back in Baratier. We've seen oh, him yeah. single-handedly destroy a crew with what seemed to be literally no effort just for fun. 
So, but now I have, now that you bring that up, though, I have a question because I mentioned that the four emperors are against the Navy and the seven warlords and something else that we'll learn later is Mihawk is one of the seven warlords and it's a whole group as a whole with the Navy against the four emperors. So the power ceiling being Mihawk, I think that's not the case. I think it goes even higher because maybe one of those two other emperors or maybe the full extent of Shanks. I don't know. Just keep that in mind just know okay. that where the straw hats yeah, are right true. now they yeah. got a way to go they got a way to go <laughs> we will raffle that one yeah raffle that one for sure but yeah that world building that little into detail i'm just like all right that's good to know um we also get a visit from actually no we'll mention that a little later because real quick i do want to mention that other faction is the revolutionary army where they're like a, a fourth upcoming action that's a direct challenge to the navy we learn that, yeah, pirates are, you know, they're a nuisance. They're, you know, they disrupt law wherever they are, but they don't directly challenge the Navy if a Navy has, like, a fleet out there or, like... They're not They're not trying to, like, destroy the government and, like, yeah, they're, overthrow, they're, yeah, they're, you know, like, we need new rulers. They're just pirates just doing their own thing. Yeah, they, they raid merchant ships. They do what people know pirates to do. But the Revolutionary Army is an actual rebellious faction that's up and rising against the government. And it's led by no other than Dragon from Logtown. Full What's name, full... please? I was going to ask you the full, full name, but okay. <laughs> Monkey D. Dragon. Luffy's Ooh. daddy. <laughs> that really recontextualizes the scene where he appears to save them in Logtown. Yeah, so, okay. So, before this recording, I went back to Logtown because I think I had that confusion even back then where... I thought maybe Dragon's Town, uh, sorry, Dragon's Power was wind. But going back on it, it's like, no, that's like a divine wind. Because even he looked like he was like trying to hold. It is so unclear exactly like, what is happening there. We, we debated it on that Logtown episode, too, if anyone listening now wanted to hear that more in depth and hasn't mm. heard it. But it was even, an, it's an interesting scene. We didn't really know what was going on. You can think maybe Dragon was doing it. We don't. Yeah, he was just divine intervention, like, quite literally, because we had the lightning strike that saved Luffy the first time. Because we thought that also, maybe, and people, fans, a lot of fans think that maybe Dragon has some kind of wind-related ability, because there was also a a backwind for the Straw Hats to help them escape at the end, pushing their ship in the perfect direction to go towards Reverse Mountain. I'm now... I'm now imagining there's like climb attack, climb attack, double fruit that dragon ate. <laughs> so it's like the full extent. That I mean, it could be a weather, weather fruit, something to that. That's sort. true. That's true too. I, but I like to think my version's like funnier, where he has a giant yeah. climb attack rod that he had to eat, and it gives him storm powers from X Men. But yeah, what so if, monk- what if the climb attack ate the weather, weather fruit? <laughs> mm, give it a huge power boost there. Maybe Nami can get a good fight going. <laughs> Which, interestingly enough, is incredibly relevant because Nami, funny, funnily enough, is wiretapping the Marines and we get a name drop about a scientist called Dr. Vegapunk. Mm-hmm. Who oh, is real- the person that developed feeding Devil Fruits items. Or uh, two items. Yeah, so that definitely answered my questions from literally last episode where we brought this up. Where we're like, okay, so can you literally stab a fruit? We don't know. But we yeah, we find out that there's tech behind it. There's science behind it. And right. Dr. So Megapunk. It's very safe to assume now that you cannot. And there's you have to do a special process. Which makes sense because otherwise there'd be a lot more crazy gadgets and a lot more crazy creatures out there. So if it happens with inanimate objects, it's just no Dr. Vegapunk is behind it. And... I like to. I don't know what he looks like at all, but I like to imagine he's like the Doctor Hojo from Final Fantasy VII, the crazy scientist that just experiments yeah. on everything and anything. 
for all I know, he's a very simple, cool guy that's being held hostage by the government. But for now, I'm imagining he's Dr. Hojo and he's just uh-huh. fucking insane. Right. Um, the people who reveal that info, however, are two callback people we haven't seen since like the first 10 chapters of the entire series. Kobe and Helmopo. Sorry, Hel- Helmepo. <laughs> It's so funny that you forgot his name because I, I haven't written Zorro, down. I mispronounced it. Luffy and Zoro also did. They've yeah. forgotten who he was, which that was great. You know, I like your version better. I was doing a bit intentionally and not just mispronouncing it. You know, I like your version better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, Kobe and Helmepo look different than before. We, if you remember, uh, early readers, that we had pre chapters way back during Locktown and Whiskey Peak, I think that show the adventures of Kobe and Helmeppo dealing with the Navy and having run-ins, but then they have, like, their own little Rocky, like, uh, training montage. Rock, sorry, Rocky Balboa training montage. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, where do they end up going? And we haven't seen them in the last 300 chapters. And now, like, Kobe especially looks so much more different. He looks more in shape. He looks more confident. He's, yeah. still, that, he's still that same person underneath, but he has more confidence, which is Fun amazing. Fun fact, in that cover story, we see Garp in the background in a couple of... Wait, do he's we? wearing like a dog hat. That's he looks right. exactly the same, and it is in fact him training. Oh, he oh, has been planning this. Yeah, oh he had Garp God. planned for a long time. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if Garp was ever planned to be. Probably, the I assume the whole, early most on, of the but characters, the, model the big, the main characters, and they're like kind of those that have uh, relevant familial relations were all planned out. Like, yeah. So even if you, yeah, even if you can't prove that he planned it from that early on, but it's like, but you can't disprove it. So it's just easy to say from that point on that either way, Oda's just really creative with coming back with hey, it, it's older working. characters. It, it, yeah, it, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely working. And yeah. And then Nami being uh, sly, she has the, the snail phone hidden like in some rubble nearby that, Kobe, because Kobe and Luffy are like on good terms, as Luffy helped Kobe out. So yeah, Kobe's just spilling. Yeah, he's spilling the beans. I, I like, would say Zoro and, and Kobe seem to be friends as well. Oh yeah, Helmepo's just there too. <laughs> he's, he's just there. Yeah, they're he's not friends. <laughs> um, and then while like this whole time, like Nami's trying to listen in, and the like the kids are like trying to are like get in the pool. You're wearing this polka dot bikini. Get in here. And she's like, I'm listening. I'm getting intel. And she has a point because Luffy would listen to this, but he's not going to do anything with that information. He's not gonna. Zoro might, but Luffy yeah. he might just forget about it. He he might just be like, "Yeah, I'm just I'm glad to be talking to an old friend of mine." Um, but yeah, that's when we learned about Doctor Vegapunk and another world building aspect that I thought was very significant was the government knows how to cross the calm belt and explains why the government right. has bases partially in places within the Grand Line, and that's why you're not constantly seeing like whole patrols of navy ships along their past it's because they have sea prism stones tied to their warships that makes this the kaiju the neptunians think that oh you're just one of the you're just a sea creature or you're just one of the sea we're not going to attack you and Kobe even admits it's not foolproof but it's good enough that we risk it because we save a lot of time and effort to get to where we need to go yes which also responses to emergencies things like that yeah, and it explains why Kobe and Helmepo caught up with Luffy and the gang as well, because they got onto Garp's ship, and Garp got the order to immediately apprehend <laughs> the Straw Hat. So, yeah, we got that going on. So we got Vegapunk, we got the Sea Prism Stones, and I actually asked you this before pre-recording, but I feel like I should mention it before, too, where it's like, uh, the last island, Raftel, it's known to be the last island, possibly the location for the One Piece, and I brought up the question, how come... Because we, we know the Grand Line is one straight line, right? It goes to the other end of the Red Line. Is that the continent's name? 
um, the red line is the big mountain that circles and separates the world. That's yes. where they have to the cross over it at the reverse mountain. Yeah, so where the Grand Line and the Red Line meet, that's where the, the mountain is, right? The yeah. reverse mountain? Yeah. So I always imagined Raftel not being super close to that, but like somewhere along the lines where it's like, oh, if you travel west from reverse mountain somehow, it won't take you that long. But my question is, because now we know the government has sea prism stones and they can cut through, what's stopping them from trying to set a log pose around that maybe the area to find it and just head straight there? But I also answer my own question where it's like, well, log poses aren't that simple to work. You need to have the time to set and you point to that location. Maybe there's a series of islands around Raftel. Maybe Raftel is floating like Skypea. Maybe it's under the ocean. Maybe yeah. it's like some, like, uh, sorry for the DC Comics reference. Maybe it's like, it's like the Amazonian island where it's invisible unless you meet some criteria or you get close enough. Yeah. It's maybe it's immune to log poses. There's so many questions I had from that uh, little brief mention there. And I thought that was like a great not to think about where it's just like this one little right. conversation i'm just like what does that mean yeah because as i said in the pre-show it was very good questions to ask <laughs> mm -hmm. and then you actually brought up too um that planetarium model on ohara where it's like look at all the orbs and the planets around this solar system kind of thing maybe mm -hmm. it's not a solar system maybe it's actually this version's earth with the many moons and maybe one of them being raftel who knows so, like, again, that's crazy theory talk in the future, but it could be a possibility with where One Piece can go. It's like, I'm not going to mm -hmm. deny that. Because normally other series, I'm just going to be like, that sounds kind of overly silly. But in this case, I'm like, you know what? There's still, like, 600 chapters for me to catch up, and the story's still going strong. So I'm like, maybe. <laughs> Who knows? It could be. Yeah. Long story short, Sea Prism Stones, time to the ship, Nami now knows. So they're probably going to take advantage of that and maybe go to other places beyond the Grand Line. Maybe they need to go somewhere back onto the East Blue. Or you know what? Maybe they cross, when they get to the New World, maybe they can cross to, into the, the West Blue or the North Blue at some point. Now they have that knowledge, so who knows? Second thing is they need to get Sea Prism yeah. Stones. Because so. if you're at on the Grand Line, yeah, in the at the red line where it meets, you could pretty feasibly get to any of the four blues. Yeah. I would just, like, if you go on foot, right, and they, assuming there's a dock for each of the four corners of that red line continent, where it's like, oh, there's a dock here to east blue, a dock here for north blue. But I, again, I like to imagine, too, where it's, it's not that simple, it's not that easy, because maybe, yeah, Raftel is actually completely hidden. And the only way to find it is to go through a certain series of challenges within the grand line. Who knows? But we now know that if the government knows where an island or location is for sure, and they're not in the Grand Line, they can cross the comm belt with a good chance of not being attacked by the Neptunians, which saves them a lot of time. And it also ex explains how they have uh, control over a good portion of the world, because they can cross right. in and out of the Grand Line. They don't have to worry about that, you know, that e the equatorial line of the Grand Line completely blocking off the government, too. It's like, no, they can cross through. Absolutely. So, great world building on that. Um, so, I think that's... Oh, one last thing from Kobe is that we get the classic trope of, like, the the rivalry declaration where Kobe is like, I'm gonna, I want to be an admiral, but I don't know what I'm going to do once I confront you in the future, Luffy. And Luffy just goes, then do your job. Get me. It's a challenge. 
come at me, bro. Yeah, exactly. And then Kobe takes it in stride and just goes, one day I will be the best admiral in the world and I will capture you once you become the king of pirates kind of thing, right? It's like, you know, like the future foretelling where it's like, you're going to do your thing and then I'm going to beat your thing. And then Luffy goes, game on, brother. And then Zoro even goes, you know, you probably just created a good rival, right? And then Luffy's like, yeah, it sounds like fun. (laughs) Yeah. So that was great. That was wonderful. Yeah, it was nice to see Kobe again. Absolutely. Again, he's not like the frail little guy that we saw before where he's like this very nerdy guy. And you're just like, this is a person who wants to be a sailor. And now you look at it and it's like, oh, yeah, hard work. Right. Working out. Yep. Yeah. Not he, to mention the that's, that's one of the biggest glow ups in anime. Mm-hmm. And you can fight me on that. Uh, I'm not arguing with that. That seems really good. Because like, that's not even really a major time skip. Like it's been 400 chapters. Yeah. But for all we know, it's been like maybe a couple months, maybe a year in universe. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, he worked the fuck out. He also probably had a growth spurt, too, because we don't know how old he was exactly. But, yeah, he looks good now. Crops to Kobe. So that also means we have a, uh, a third government uh, agent, or fourth, after him. Because we know what the Smoker and Kashi- uh, Kashigi, right? Yeah. They are, like, they're the first Team Rocket duo after the Straw Hats. Then we got um, the other captain or admiral that talks to herself in the third person. Hina. Hina. And she has Django and Iron Body with her. Right. And then now we have Kobe with Garp and Helmelpo. So that's th- am I forgetting someone or are those the three groups? No, that's like that's most the most relevant ones have been. Yeah, that state that they're gonna try and go after the Straw mm-hmm. Hats. I guess you could say the remnants of CP9, but pff, <laughs> let's be honest. Like after what happened to yeah. Shandom. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. But I'm just happy we'll with see. his his back's broken somewhere. Yeah, I'm so happy the about whole that. Whole Kobe grandpa scene is a lot of interesting stuff in there. Oh, absolutely. Then we get like a little mini party scene. With the most relevant thing, of course, is Aokiji confronting Robin. Mm-hmm. And I'm and she still gets like traumatized completely when he appears. But in this that case, too, man. Yeah, exactly. Like that dude just appears in out of nowhere, and at the same time, he's also a I mean, like, top admiral. If the person that almost froze you to death probably a week ago, you know, shows up in your at your party. And also may or may not killed Jaguar D Salt right in front of your eyes during one of the more traumatic moments right. of your life. So there's that too. But we also kind of get the angle that Okiji was probably is probably kind of acting like a distant guardian angel in a way. Because his main thing was out of respect for Jaguar, I was keeping an eye on you and not just turning you in like right there. And it seemed that you like were you're giving up and Eni's lobby was going to be your end but it looks like you found a family and jaguar's wishes and jaguar and okiji were friends so it's or you know at least respected accomplices at the very least so there's some honor there and he goes like so you think you found something that will fulfill the wish of jaguar which is to live right to find the friends and she goes yes and that was a great moment where, yeah, instead of before where she was, like, hesitant or just, like, being distant or vague, she confidently answers, yes, these are the people I'm with. And then he goes, all right, yeah, that's what you say. And then he just takes off. He he, he joins Garp on his boat, but he does the Okiji thing and just sleeps instead. <laughs> yeah, so clearly we don't know what Aokiji wants or what his ideals are, but he's complicated. Let's see that very clearly. Yeah, let's, let's be thankful that he's slothful because... I feel that he's one of those characters that's so strong that he could probably take on the, all the Straw Hats right now. Even after what just happened in Nini's Lobby, the power oh, yeah. boost they got. Right now, he could 
probably easily he, wipe them all. Yeah, soul them. But because he's slothful and he has that very strange, uh, arbitrary sense of honor, that it's like, well, for now, he's just keeping an eye on Robin out of respect to Jaguar, and that's it. Or, sorry, to Saul. And we'll just see what happens at that point. He's still one of the top three admirals, so he got that position for a damn reason. We saw a glimpse of that in uh, Divi Fightback arc, so again we'll just have to see there's so much going on with this arc we're, yeah like, we're and then, like what, halfway <laughs> yeah basically and then real quick we learn that the next island on the road is fishman island the log post begins to point down that's interesting. a little bit down yeah but in between them and the fishman island is the florian triangle which is i have kind that. of a bermuda triangle like place yeah where, i i have that written down <laughs> yeah where a bunch of ships go missing people mm -hmm. say they see uh, ships that are run by ghosts etc well on one hand it could be cthulhu on the other hand could this is cthulhu. one piece so it quite literally could be ghosts so right it could be uh, anything we, <laughs> maybe we'll see we will have to raffle uh for those uh thinking listening right now i actually don't know the name of the next arc but i'm gonna guess the next arc is gonna be the florian triangle and not Fishman Island, but we'll see. I'll see. Justin will say at the end of the episode, like he always does. But my guess is right <laughs> now it's Florian Triangle. <laughs> just keep me on my toes. Yeah. Just give me the chapter numbers and just go read on. <laughs> What's the name? <laughs> ah. mm -hmm. Um, we do get a peek at the confrontation with because we mentioned Shanks and Whitebeard, and they have a do have a confrontation right. that lasts for about one chapter. Um. We get some name drops of Jozu and Marco. They're Whitebeard commanders. I don't know how important they are. I just brought them. I well, just they're on the them. same rank as Ace, pretty much. And on top of that, uh, when Shanks has like this hockey gourd, he has like a a gar looking gourd where it's called like the hockey power. And just the presence of either him or that gourd he's carrying. Well, no, the gourd was just. Well, that was wine, right? That was alcohol, sake, yeah, for Whitebeard. Okay, okay, it so it's not. It's not, it's that, not okay, I was wondering if well, it was literally the probably. gourd he was carrying. Like, again, yeah. I wasn't sure. I was if it was literally the gourd that could also double as just you know something to hold alcohol, right? Or it was just him, and he has like this ability that's, that reminds me of uh, Bleach, where like you know how like the captains in that show or that series where they were so powerful that their spirit energy was so immense that it just made you like collapse from the sheer weight that kind of yeah, reminded me of this Shanks really literally does do that yeah and he's literally walking onto the ship where whitebeard and the commanders are fine but they feel it right they mentioned how it feels like their scars are lightening up on fire but everyone else is just foaming at the mouth and just like collapsing you're just like damn shanks <laughs> mm -hmm. what's your and bond they guy? actually <laughs> in uh in this on the shonen jump app the official translation they they said it's because of Hockey, H A K I, mm -hmm. which, yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I wasn't sure what hockey was exactly. I thought that yeah, might have been the I gourd. Think, I think that is intentional. But we're not okay. supposed to know what that is. Yeah. So for now, it's the bleach power that I'm going on, and that's not a bad thing, by the way. Bleach went somewhere bad, but there's a lot of parts of bleach that are good. Anyway, Shanks and Whitebeard have a talk. I'm glad we get to see Whitebeard again because he always seemed like a very cool giant, and. I don't know if we learned this before, because we knew Shanks and Buggy were on the same team, but they were serving on Goldie Rogers' crew. We did learn that here for the first time. Okay, because yeah. I, I picked up on that going like, oh, so, well, that explains why Shanks is like the four emperors, right? He's not just some random lackey that grew in the ranks. It's like, no, he got some good teaching. 
But then it makes you wonder what happened to Buggy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was he was their ship's Usopp, you know. Yeah, fine. I, he was super stubborn. He ate the chop chop fruit and tried to do his own thing. But I guess he was like so overly ambitious that he never really like learned the chops to being the best of the best. Actually, who knows? Because they are also, you know, that's the fourth crew. They're not the government team, but they're a fourth team. It's Alvida and Buggy. They're still I out think there. Buggy doesn't have like big ambitions. I think he, he settled with like, oh, most people can't hurt me. Sweet. I can get rich with yeah. this. Uh, yeah, he, he, yeah, he did. True, he definitely seemed more like an Arlong or a crocodile, or at least pre. He, he's Alabama one of the crocodile. people where, like, you see, like, if he goes to like one of the like a weak sea, one of the blues with yeah, a devil fruit, like control. he can't get carried by his devil fruit alone because mm. people just aren't going to be able to get around it in the way that you know strong people could, like Luffy or someone just happens to roam by. So in the East Blue, he can pretty much just run free and do whatever he wants. With presumably, he's been doing for a long, long time. Yeah, before Luffy, but I think now he's been on the ground line trying to find, like, you know, because you know how they mentioned how island hopping works, where, like, the log post takes you to the next island, generally speaking. Yeah. And Buggy and Alvita and their crew have been, I think, going on the ground line, too, because Ace ran into them at some <laughs> right point. Right now, yes, they are on the ground line. Yeah. They, they said in Logtown they were going to follow them, follow yeah. the Straw House. So, they so they're, like, the fourth group that's still trying to, like, be around and trying to get right. vengeance on the Straw Hats. But I'm curious where it's, like, have they been improving and leveling up, quote unquote, leveling up too? Because Straw Hats have been going through a lot, and right now it's like, if they have another confrontation and they haven't improved that much since Logtown, it's going to be a wipe. <laughs> yeah, so... like even with how much Kobe and Helmeppo improved, they still they... got destroyed by Luffy and Zoro. Yeah, because they were using techniques that the CP9 agents had, but presumably they were still learning them, and then also, you know. Luffy and Zoro were experienced in dealing with them, so they're like, oh, we know what to do. Just stick your hand out uh, behind you where you think they're going to teleport. Oh, there he is. Grab the head, slam it down. Boom. Knocked out. Yeah. But, yeah, a little uh, great thing like that. Anyway, we're getting a little distracted here. Sorry. Um, Shanks and Whitebeard. Right. So what happens in this encounter is we see the the Bleach-like power that Shanks has, Mm -hmm. which is is cool. We see uh, he came, he says, to Warren Whitebeard. Yeah, he makes peace. He brought yeah, he's wine. like, hey, here's the wine. This is my peace offering. And I, like, you know, I came to your ship to talk to you, and this is my peace offering. So. But he we wants learned... to talk about Blackbeard Black, and Ace. Blackbeard, Blackbeard, Blackbeard. Mm-hmm. So he's like, he reveals that he got his scar, the three lines that he now has mm-hmm. on his face, not from, from Blackbeard. Yeah, not from Mihawk, not from Whitebeard. Nah, it's from Blackbeard. Yeah. And so... It, Basically, the whole gist of this is he tells Whitebeard that Blackbeard I, is dangerous and Ace should not be chasing after him. Yeah, like, I like you need I, to call Ace off like right now. Like, yeah, you you need to call Ace off, and then Whitebeard is like, I don't think you understand, Shanks. I have one major code in my pirate crew. You're a part of the crew. You're my family. He killed one of my family as a family member, so he deserves to be in the deepest pits of hell, and I will not rest until he dies. Mm-hmm. So, right away, you're getting, damn, well, that makes sense. He's got a code. But Shanks, at the same time, is like, you cannot do this. Like, this is, he's gonna, like, there's plans that with, apparently Blackbeard is setting course a series of actions that will cause chaos in the region or in the world. Yeah, Shanks so, is convinced that Blackbeard has a master plan of some kind. He says, mm-hmm. like, he was laying low on your ship, intentionally hoping to, to do something, and then when that catalyst finally happened, he, he killed struck. his captain for some reason, and... Or, yeah, well, his, now we know exactly why now, right? He killed him. His captain found the fruit, so he killed him and stole it, and then he mm-hmm. left. 
to get that. That, that was ma- step one of his plan. He waited God knows how long on Whitebeard's crew. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we know Blackbeard is like a very, uh, I wouldn't say jolly. He's a very energetic, ambitious character. So uh, we saw him last in the Jaya arc. So it's, it definitely makes sense where it's like, yeah, he's definitely seems like he's in a good mood because his plans are being set into motion. He got his double fruit power. He, um, that we haven't, we don't know yet at this point. Like That is technically the other group after the Straw Hats. Black that's Beard another Pirates. group too. Yeah, the Blackbeard yeah. Pirates. Because they want a good foe. They want something to help uh, push well, them to the stratosphere of fame, at least to the government's eyes. Right. At least that's what they said back then. Right. I don't know what, what they're we kind of learned from Shanks is that his motive might be like what Crocodile wanted to do, which was world domination. Like to just be the conqueror, be the king of pirates, but not just pirates, be the king of the world kind of thing. You know, be the, the classic right. the classic villain motif of the 80s, 90s, 70s of time, right? Of just conquer the entire world. But At, at this point, I think it's, it could feasibly be that he wants to both become the king of the pirates and destroy the world government, like, to make chaos, basically. Yeah. To create, like, destroy the world's kind of balance system and make it a world of pirates, and you're the king of the pirates. Mm. By proxy, you're kind of just king of the world at that point, right? Pretty much. And then because you have the... You have the best crew, you have the best powers, no one's gonna stop you. It's the it's the might the might makes right mentality kind of thing. It's, it's another classic trope in storytelling, yeah. but in this case, it fits Blackbeard, definitely. So, basically, Whitebeard is not having it. He's like, nope, nope. We're gonna, I'm gonna kill him. And Shanks is like, gets mad. And <laughs> they cross blades, literally split the heavens above them, which is when we get to see Ben Beckman, Lucky Rue, and or Yasop. And they're like, mm-hmm. ooh, man, he said he wasn't gonna fight, he was lying. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's interesting. Uh, I, I don't know if you heard it, Justin, but when I saw that panel, I don't know if you heard it after they crossed blades, I heard a uh, Justin Briner, the announcer for uh, Just Dragon Ball Fighters, going, ready, fight! <laughs> just right before they're going <laughs> yeah. off. So that's what I imagined going on. I'm just like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's uh, a, pr- a clash between two of the strongest people in the world, presumably. Yeah, two emperors going to clash. That's not a good thing for the delicacy of power for the faction. Like, if you're if you consider the four emperors to be one united faction, which I'm pretty sure they're not. Like we've seen, right. seen, it seems like they're not. Yeah, definitely not a good thing. But regardless, we don't see what's. We'll see what I guess that became of that later. But they had disagreements, to put it lightly. But right. on the bright side, at least Whitebeard had some decent wine from East Blue. Which appar- apparently East Blue is not known for its wine, but he had a good, uh, um, a good sample where he's like, "Oh, this is the this is the example." Sorry, Shanks you know. knows the good spot though. That one, yeah, guy the good East stuff. <laughs> it's not like the East Blue is famous, but there's that one dude in East Blue, you know, mm-hmm. like and Shanks knows him, so it's good. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. Also, um, real quick, speaking uh-huh. of government infamy, as you just mentioned, we got. Straw hat bounties. Yeah, Everyone I love on the crew. this. I Everyone love on this. the crew has a bounty for the first time since I the beginning love of the series. I know because we've always had Luffy, Zoro, and by extension Robin, right? Even though that was an older uh, bounty, but now we finally get updates, and every single one, unsurprisingly, is on that list after the events of Eni's lobby, mm-hmm. and they did not wait any time. But yeah, Luffy. At the top of this fucking bounty listing with 300 million berries. Still has that same picture, too, where he's just smiling and waving with the straw hat. Yeah. Zoro, 120 million now. Uh, oh, sorry. Zoro the Pirate Hunter. It's a very important to get the full name. 160 Demon, million. 160? Right. I, I thought I... A hundred, it's, a, it's a lot. It's a lot. I have 120 written down, Big. but... Because I think that m- might be right, actually. Did his value just get doubled? Because it was 60 before. 
Might have been. What's important is that he's second place. For according to the government, this is where the power tiers are, according to the world government. And it's funny because we know it's not quite true. But it's close, right? Luffy number one by far. Zoro the the pirate hunter at number two with 120 or 160 million. Uh, Now that I think about it, I think it did get doubled. Possibly. Uh, Demon Child, Nico Robin, like they're not even, they're not even holding back with that name. Uh, Demon Child, Nico Robin at 80 million. Before she was at 68 million, I believe. So she went up by quite a bit for escaping the law. Uh, Blackleg Sanji. (laughs) Hey. So, Sanji, of all the pirates, was the one that wanted to be wanted by the government the most. He wanted to be the bad boy, right? He wanted to... Because I remember back at Jaya, when they are looking at the posters, uh, Usopp was looking at the posters from far away, and Sanji was like, "Is my is, do I have a face on there too? Usopp goes, no. Can you look again? No, I want you to look again. Am I there? No. Because <laughs> on one hand, I think it's being competitive with Zoro. Yeah, I think it's being competitive with Zoro because Zoro had a bounty and not Sanji. And they always have a rivalry going on. Yeah. But either way, he's wanted one. And he finally gets one. And they don't have a picture of him. So mm. they drew first-hand accounts of what he might look like. And he looks hideous. And it's hilarious. It's great. His reaction to that picture is... Mm, his re- his Yeah, the whole chapter of him reacting to that is just perfect. Where... He's just, like, melting, going, I, this can't be true. And Zoro's like, what are you complaining about? You got what you wanted. And then he just starts speaking in wingdings, that font on Microsoft Word that's just symbols. He's just starts, or, you know, Cthulhu talk. He's just going, yeah, blah, blah, blah. and then Zoro's just like, I can't understand you, dude. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> but, yeah, it's like, you get he got what he wanted, but he didn't clarify. Like, the monkey's paw finger like clutches if you listen to the background like hey, you got wanted but mm-hmm. you didn't specify what you wanted to look like um and then next up we oh. don't know if it's his first bounty or not but uh sniper king maybe got his first maybe a bounty increase to 30 million oh yeah so yeah so real quick i want to say black lake sanji is actually a great nickname i think it's a great name for sanji uh um, yeah and it's it's in reference to zeph who was his title mm-hmm. by first, was red leg yeah mm-hmm. so that was excellent uh, so interestingly, so the King of Snipers, Sniper King, it's not Usopp, it's Sniper King. It's, yeah, it's a Sniper King. For me. 30 million, yeah. So that tells me right away that if Usopp, maybe perhaps, I don't know where to rejoin the crew, maybe in a few chapters from now, uh, the world government doesn't know who Usopp is. So yeah. he actually has a stealth element to this now. You could also presumably say they don't know what Sanji looks like. That's true too. Does not look like Sanji. Yeah, because he was he was always uh, the the head owner of restaurant La Croix. So for all we know, that, that could be him. I don't know. He's got a cigarette and he's got low bangs for blonde hair and curly eyebrow, but everything else is just like what? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so Usopp has, or sorry, Sniper King has an edge with this. Um, Cat burglar Nami with probably one of the sexiest poses of all of them by far. I don't know. Like Chopper looks good too. Who knows? But my question, because everyone else is pictures, right? It's at some point they got snapshotted from somewhere at some point. When was this for Nami? Was this like Skype yet? <laughs> I I don't know. Like, was this like some person who took a, like some peeping Tom who took a snapshot of Nami when they're on the beach and then they later, days later, sold the yeah, picture to, to the government? <laughs> Probably, honestly. A baby, who knows? I feel like, like if someone was like, uh, if asked Nami if they could take a picture of her, she would just pose and let them. Yeah, exactly, like, that's right. That's what happened, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So that's why she's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Get the tattoo, get the good side going. Um, she's one for sixteen million, and then <laughs> Chopper, the cotton candy lover. Real ruthless ner- terminology here. The cotton candy lover for fifty berries, not <laughs> not fifty million. Fifty. And Chopper is so upset. I love it. <laughs> no respect. So I think it's funny because he's he's always mistaken as like a pet by yeah. almost everyone that sees him, and he didn't get credit for his monster point damage. And that's another, that's another <laughs> they self weren't feature. able to yeah. recognize him. Yeah, that's that's another self feature because yeah, only those who fought uh, Chopper and reported know that oh, Chopper can transform into these different forms, and he's more than just a pet. Like he's actually a sentient being, and he's actually really damn smart too. And then we learned from the last arc, he also has that Hulk form, too. So, again, you have that stealth element, like I mentioned, where Chopper is thinking, like, oh, he's just the easy guy. We could just get him for 50 berries. And it's like, oh, by the way, here's some snacks. You got some rumble balls? Near- oh, yeah, sure. Here's some snacks here. Oh, God! <laughs> like, if he was ever apprehended <laughs> at some point. Um, but, yeah, it was wonderful and fantastic. So, it was a great two-panel of all the wanted bounty posters. And on top of that, we get developments that, hey, Cyborg Frankie is also wanted for 44 million berries. That puts him in the middle of that tier list, I guess, Ab- of the, above to the government. Sniper King, below Sanji. Yeah, which I think makes sense. I think Frankie could be above uh, Sanji or Rob, or at least above Robin, depending on the key. Well, I mean, realistically, I think Sanji should be above Robin as well, but I, th- I think so this too. is the only yeah. thing he's getting credit for, like. None of the Mr. Prince stuff was known as by him, and nothing he's done really was marked that's, as, as him, so. That's definitely fair, because again, Robin was one for 68 million before, and then they added 12, whereas Sanji, they just Wait, added- wasn't it? I thought it was 79, and they just added 1 million just to update the picture. For I, really, I thought it was 68 or something, but either way, they only added small, a little bit. A small increase, yeah. Yeah, a small increase, whereas Sanji had a really high increase of from 0 yeah, to 77 is... million. One of the biggest increases. So Zoro got, let's say, he got a 16 million increase here, and Zoro mm-hmm. got 77 million here, and Luffy got 200 more than million double. Here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Luffy is like the biggest. So it's the, the second big... biggest increase we've seen. 77 mm-hmm. million in one yeah. shot for one feat. It's funny how I mentioned a couple of times throughout the podcast where I'm just like, I'm not a huge fan of power scaling. And yet here we are going, oh, look at these wanted levels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's because the difference is there's not like a fixed it's, confirmed. I, what I think is interesting truth. about bounties is I kind of interpret them as a minimum threat level. Minimum threat level and also perspective from the government. Yeah. So, because being realistic, Luffy, let's just say Luffy's first bounty of 30 million. Mm-hmm. Where he was at that point when he was fighting Arlong, yeah, is probably pretty comparable right now to Soga King at thirty million. Right, we saw that, and Luffy is stronger now, and Soga King could have a pretty good fight against him. So it's maybe mm-hmm. it might piss people off to say feasible that Soga King now could beat pre Grand Line Luffy. Possibly he's got but possibly be- with dials and all those other things. It's possible. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, as I as to reemphasize, it's about perspective too because they don't know what chopper is capable of still they right. just they just saw this monster that went through the building right from first-hand accounts that were there that survived they don't, I don't know think they have chopper. chopper registered as that monster though yeah i think they, they just have chopper as their pet as the pet yeah mm-hmm. so for all we know there might be a separate bounty later on where it's like this this hulk demon monster thing is wanted for like 100 million yeah because as far as i was just thinking about chopper hasn't really done any big stage fights notably where he was like been seen or where he was seen transforming 
Yeah, because he, most he's people con- probably don't know that he transforms at all. Yeah, like I because whenever anyone sees him, like uh, Crocodile, for example, it's a guy in disguise, and then he can't find that guy in disguise because Chopper went back to his right, exactly. quote unquote small form and then walked away. Or it's in his lobby where they're fighting like this humanoid-looking reindeer. He looks like Chopper, but I don't know. And then he transforms into this big hulking figure. So, because we know it's very clear to us, it's the same guy transforming with different forms. But to government agents or anyone else, it could just be people of the family or maybe like a similar family of creatures. So who knows? So I wouldn't be surprised later if we got like Chopper, the cotton candy over 50, Hulk monster, 100 million. Uh, right. Yeah. Human, humanoid doctor reindeer, 10 million or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm, Even though we yeah. know that's like three separate bounties for or like seven different bounties for each form. Who knows? Right. But we know it's the same one. Um, also, reactions were great, too. Like, again, we mentioned Sanji was right, just right. traumatized. But Luffy, Zoro, and Robin were all, like, happy in, in some way or another. Uh, Nami is, of course, frightened as fuck, going, oh, my God, what the hell? Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, oh, no. Because so, their crew's overall value has shot up immensely in this they one mentioned, they, Yeah, they mentioned it twice. The total value now is, like, over 650 million berries in total. And that makes a huge target. For everyone, even a bigger target than before. Yeah, well, you've got two targets that are over worth over one hundred million. Exactly. Just get one of those, and you're good. Um, yeah, because like Luffy, like yeah, for context, Luffy's bounty right now is as much as the all the loot they got from Skypea. So like, just yeah. get Luffy, and you're good to go. You can get yourself a you know an Adam Tree quality ship in the future if you got the right money. In context, I would I would enjoy an arc. I think it'd be interesting. They they intentionally like turn one of themselves in for the money with like an escape plan. <laughs> I was really expecting that to happen. Uh, there was a an old Disney movie, I think Secondhand Lions, where they literally did that, where one of the two friends was wanted by like the local local warlord, and they turned themselves in, and the friend busted them out after they got the reward. Nice. So. <laughs> Like that, that, like that little old Disney movie for reference. I expected that to happen. Like maybe someone like Nami yeah. would turn themselves in, and then Luffy or Zoro bust them out, or you know Sanji. Cause right? Yeah, you, you don't want to turn in one of those three, right? Maybe like turn into yeah. Frankie or something, get a pretty good cast. Maybe or like or, you know if Chopper Usopp, gets some, Usopp's a pretty good trade off. <laughs> then you have <laughs> Monster Trio and Frankie to deal with it. Get him out. This, I think the the best hypothetical scenario is once Chopper gets wanted on a proper level, like for a couple hundred million berries, or like, you know, a couple tens of millions, um, turn himself in and think, oh, he's just a little pet. No big deal. He's a harmless. Oh, and yeah. Then, he, they wow. wouldn't even check his clothes, probably. He could have yeah, exactly. on oh, him he's, and then turn yeah, he's, he's <laughs> yeah. so cute. He's so cute. And then have him, like, do a show where he's trying to struggle, but in that baby form or the small form. So, like, he's so weak. What the hell? And then, you know, he's... And then he's you know, he's in the he's locked up wherever. The straw hats come in and bust him out. And then while Chopper is within, he's eating the rumble ball. And then he's Hulk forming him. Or, you know, not even Hulk form, but you know, his his other form. Yeah, because it's very Busting possible. The inside. <laughs> like you're saying, if, if they don't know Chopper's a devil fruit user, they would not put him in a, a sea stone prison or or sea stone cuffs or whatever they have, you know? Yeah, if it's yeah, if it's not like a government cell, it might just be like some locals or some mercenaries they haven't they're not armed to the teeth. He <laughs> would literally just then, to transform and But AD3. then again <laughs> then again it's the grand line, so maybe people are prepared for that. Who knows? Right. But yeah, hypothetical scenario, you have all these possibilities now. I'm just glad that everyone's wanted <laughs> it's entertaining in one way or another. Yeah. Um we th- Okay. Uh, uh Thousand we Sunny? Ma- Thousand Sunny. That's next. Wonderful, right? wonderful ship, yes. Uh, while the, all this was going on, Frankie, we mentioned that got the materials to build the new ship. He offered it to the Straw Hats yeah. as like, I stole this money from you. 
you rescued me, you did me a solid, I'm going to do you a solid. And you look like good people too. Even though I don't like you, Luffy, because we fought. (laughs) But I bought $200 million worth of wood, I'll give you free labor, because you saved me, and I'll make your ship, and you take it. It's going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, and emphasis on the awesome part, because holy shit, this shit. (laughs) Big emphasis, bold and italics, awesome. (laughs) It makes you forget that less than 10 chapters ago, we poured our eyes out for the the passing of the Merigo. May she still rest in peace. But now we're going, all right, Thousand Sunny, you're more than a rebound. It it sold me. (laughs) He mm-hmm. said, like, hopefully, like, this ship is going to carry the spirit of the Going Merry forward with you. And when Frankie said, like, basically Yeah, that, that's what helped. Like, Definitely. What a guy. Yep. I love him, and it made me love the ship. It's like as if Frankie is always meant to be a straw hat. <laughs> yeah. It's as if, even though he's being very uh, Sundere, as he, like, he is a Sundere character at this point, where he's like, no, I don't want to go. For his own reasons. And the family's going, bro, dude, you have to go. We know you want it. And it's like, no, I, I don't want to go. No, no. You're wanted for 44 million. Like, you got to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, on one hand, they're going, no, you're wanted. And we, for your safety, like, bro, you have Marines to go. The Marines literally have a direct train to here. <laughs> you got to <laughs> exactly. go. <laughs> and Frankie's like, oh, I, we can handle it. We're fine. But real quick, we're talking about the Thund- Thousand Sunny. This ship, the way it's designed... It looks like it's soup. It's completely open for customization going forward, and I love that so much because the Marigold was a fun, good ship, but it was a standard ship, a small yeah. ship. However, this one, it's like special materials by Frankie and the Adam Tree. It has like turf grass on the main deck, so you can have a little guard. Oh, actually, not sorry, not even turf grass. Sorry, actual exactly. lawn. real grass. Yeah, yeah. With her, Robin was saying can... they could probably that's do why some gardening it. there. Yeah, that's why I changed my answer. I realized that part. Mm-hmm. Um, they can keep, uh, keep take better care of the tangerine trees that they already have. It's, it's probably um, like, it's like a sod, right? You you put sod on the the deck. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a a thing that I that Sanji mentioned that was like a little speech bubble where it's like, oh, my fridge has a lock on it. I always wanted one with this strength. <laughs> so it's like implying that yeah, because Luffy always like we're trying to get like midnight bites or some shit away from the fridge. But yeah, the, all these little things to it. Including, like, a, I, I noticed it right away, a giant fucking thruster rocket on the back of the ship. And I'm like, a more convenient way to... Very soon. <laughs> very convenient for getaways. And if only there was someone who had the power to shoot air cannons at whim to let that <laughs> ship fly. Yeah. Hmm, I don't know. Maybe Kaku. I don't know. So... Yeah, this ship just looks great. Even Iceberg getting a little nerdy about it, going like, it's a brigantine mast ship where you can lower the sails and go for the deep seas, or you can raise the sails and you can row much better, or you can adjust accordingly if you have a good navigator, a good crew, for more shallow waters or narrow seas. And immediately, you're just like, oh yeah, it's nerding out. And I, and yes, I did the thing where I wikied it real quick. Is brigantine ship a real deal? And yes, it is a real deal. <laughs> yeah, That's exactly its purpose. And I'm like, Oda with his uh, ship porn knowledge. Keeps on going, keeps on going. Mm-hmm. He definitely does his research on things like that. Oh, absolutely. In fact, I was actually so caught up that during a sequence later, Frankie mentions real quick of a soldier dock system that I thought, was that another thing that was in the ships? And I Googled it real quick, and it was a One Piece fandom pages. So I'm like, nope, back the fuck out. <laughs> I don't want to be spoiled that shit, because I thought that too was another ship, uh, ship uh, specific. But... Yeah, we'll see what that actually is going forward, what the soldier dock system is, because Frankie was very proud of that. But anyway, Thousand Sunny is great, but it's obviously missing a few members, right? Usopp still hasn't returned, or Sniper King hasn't returned. And 
they're really des- they're really eager not desperate but they they kind of are let's be honest to get Frankie on board and yeah. what and what do you do you steal his favorite pair his only pair of trunks and you have a moon throughout all of water 7 with his barren <laughs> hairy naked ass going ha we got your trunks as you run towards the thousand sunny this is the family starting it by the way the straw hats didn't start this the Family. Frankie's family started this. Mm-hmm. They took the trunks and they're running away. And Frankie is obviously like, that's my favorite trunks. Not the fact that he's naked or anything. It's the fact that those are his favorite trunks. That's why he's chasing after them. <laughs> or because we also learned too that Frankie does, in fact, want to go on the ship, but he feels an obligation to stay on the water set. So he's probably going along with it too, mentally. And uh, he gets to the ship and we get this crazy confrontation where. It starts off with uh something interesting. I didn't expect to I didn't expect uh, cock and ball torture to be in my one piece to be honest. <laughs> I didn't yeah. expect it. Like for Robin, it was probably another Tuesday, but for for everyone else it's like oh my god, Jesus Christ. And of course, let's be honest, a lot of fans probably reading the series are probably like, "Oh, I wish I was Frankie at this point." Don't lie to me. <laughs> Justin, don't act like, don't defend them, okay? One of the Q&A panels in this arc was, hey, you know how Robin can grow hands? Can she grow boobs too? And I'm just like, y'all motherfuckers are so thirsty, okay? (laughs) There's at least a few of it out there going, man, I wish I was Frankie in that scene right there. But be honest, guys. It's the first, it's the next step to being happy about yourself, okay? Regardless, while that's going on, while that's going on, we get the the closure that Frankie needs, right? Where he still feels an attachment to Water 7, which is the primary reason why he's being so stubborn and not wanting to go. But Iceberg gives him the reminder that you're staying because you still feel guilty about what happened with Tom. Because, you know, you did your own thing all the time. You never listened. And it bit you and Tom in the ass. But you need to forgive yourself, Frankie. You've long since learned. You've, you've long since earned the right to live out your dream. To sail on the ship that you made that was sailed to the ends of the ocean. Right. And after all, Tom forgave you. It's time to move on. Right. So we always joke around that, you know, Frank is like this really cool cyborg dude. But he's also, and he always has the, the funny moments where he's being super emotional. He does it again here where he pretends that Robin is squeezing his dick again a second time so he can cry because the right. family's being emotional with them. And Robin's just like, I ain't doing shit. <laughs> but. Yeah, just Frankie is a very emotional dude, and he's just like, all right, fine. You you convinced me. The Thousand Sunny needs a shipwright as good as me, so I'll take care of it. Your shipwright's going to be me, Frankie. He's like, you know what? You're right. No one else can handle this ship. Let's get it. Hell no. Hell no. I joked around that Kaku would join the crew. I actually did think that at the beginning of Water 7. Um, Everyone did. Yeah. uh, Maybe at some points, too. Maybe Polly. Hell, maybe even Iceberg. Probably not, but, you know, potentials. There was a but, brief period people thought maybe Lucci, the pigeon guy, our shipwright, you know? They all had I, very unique, like, designs, and they looked like yeah. they could be, like, main characters. But let's be honest. Even I knew that once, I, once as soon as Frankie said, I'm a cyborg, immediately I'm just like, <laughs> he's the next straw hat. If it's anyone well, once, else. At, once you found out he's a shipwright, too, that's when it's like, okay, mm-hmm. done. It's yeah, done. it's and he's a cyborg. I mean, come on. It, Oda wouldn't do this to me he wouldn't do this to people like me who love cyborgs in, <laughs> yeah. in our in our pirate fantasy tales we need our cyborgs okay <laughs> but he has the moment where it's like it's meant to be like this emotional great send-off but he's still butt naked holding the trunks over his shoulder in the bag going <laughs> i'll be going off for a while family and then someone in the background going 
put your fucking clothes on (laughs) it's again a great introduction to frankie a part of the team very strong Um, introduction i think oh yeah absolutely it's great if you consider water seven as frankie's arc like he's got the best introduction arc of all the straw hats yeah and that also makes it why it's the fucking best arc in one piece for sure it's an introduction arc disguised as a character development arc and it works tremendously in both ways and also everything else would into that again water seven saga fucking amazing and is it safe to say this is part of it right because they're still at water yeah, seven yeah, technically. Yeah. This, this, would, this i'd say would be the end of it yeah oh yeah okay okay just making sure um okay so Kind of a real talk moment in the series that I really do appreciate because this is what you say is Zoro's when he's shining the most, and I agree because people love it from his action. I love oh, him the most when he's rem- he's reminding the team that okay, we have to have a code in some way or another. But there's some creativity to this too, and let's go over it real quick. It's very clear Usopp is on the island, right? They know he's Sniper King, right? At this point, like the Sniper King Most facade. Of them know. I don't think yeah, yeah right. Yeah. That's actually true. At some point during the party, um, Sniper King shows up again, and then the Luffy's like, "Sniper King, what'd you get here?" But either way, they're aware Usopp is still on Water Seven, right? No matter what your perspective is of the Straw Hat, and he's likely going to want to join the crew. However, Zoro reminds them as like the big brother, right? The true big brother of the team. He can't. You can't just let him join, willy nilly. Okay. What he did was unforgivable. He took us to our lowest point for a stubborn fight, right? He disagreed and argued with the captain. And even if you don't know Zoro as a character or he, or as fleshed out as, like, you know, Nami or Robin, you know that Zoro is 100% loyal to Luffy as a captain. And There's, I would say he has the most respect for Luffy. Yeah, like, he'll have, have that moment where he's like, as much of a dork this guy is as he's pulling on Luffy's face, this guy is still our captain, right? And yeah, he's I think spot. I think what really shines here and in Zoro, just as the story goes on, is that he has been with Luffy the longest. Oh yeah, he has seen the whole struggle, really. You mm-hmm. know, because when Frankie joins, Robin joins. Like, yeah, you guys just see a, a strong captain who is maybe not who is maybe not that great at the captain stuff, but he wasn't even always that like strong of a captain, and he was way worse before. Yeah, kind of like he has a different perspective of Luffy than than anyone else, and I think that really shows in the mm. way that he his perception of Luffy. Yeah, he was there since before they even got a ship to see what Luffy was as a character when times are the roughest, and he's you know fl- fallen to the ends of the earth. And there's a line here too where like again, I love Usopp as a character, but I also admit too that yeah, what Usopp did was fucked up. He was responsible like when Robin was still missing at this point that this was the lowest point of the entire uh, team. And he says, a person who acts like that on a whim is actually dangerous. If he pulls stunts like this on a whim, we can't trust him. We aren't, we aren't playing a game of pirates. We are a pirate crew with a coat. So they establish that if the first thing he says, if he wants to come back on our ship, we'll wait for him, right? As long as we need to, we got the log post set, but we will wait, wait as long as we need to either until, you know, maybe if, you know, Luffy's crazy grandpa comes to attack us, or if the log post is about to get his end timer, we leave, right? We give him until that time. But if the first things out of his mouth aren't, I'm sorry, we leave. We don't get Mm -hmm. him back. And I'm like, okay, you know what? That's really, that's really blunt. That's really rough. But you know what? He has a point. Because someone as emotional You know it's a good point when Sanji is agreeing with him. Yeah, Sanji is right up going, like, this guy is actually right, as much as I hate to admit it. And 
I love Usopp as a character, but he is too emotional to be a reliable crew member at this point. I do agree with it as much as it pains for me to say. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and we even see before this moment where Usopp is still being himself, which is a very unfortunate sign. He's setting up like this D&D, like Dungeons and Dragons styles of like a conversation tree pathways Mm -hmm. where it's like, if this person talks first, I respond with this line and that will lead to scenario 26 in my head which leads to this he's expecting them to beg him to come back in one way or another or be more sly about it but he expects them to ask him back he still has that stubborn mentality going on in his head and i'm just like yeah this ain't gonna (laughs) yeah and this ain't gonna work because they have that mindset where you know luffy's agreeing to nami's agreeing to where it's like he needs to say sorry he needs to be completely gotta, just gotta show some respect for your captain you, you, know? you gotta yeah you gotta humble down and you gotta own up to your mistakes because Usopp made fucking mistake so last day occurs Luffy even says he waited back at the hotel just to see if he would show up he never did so but Luffy's happy at this point he, he looks happy right where he's just like no he's confident Usopp's found his own future that's good for him I hope we meet again in the future but we're mm-hmm. about to leave Garp shows up after a hilarious moment where Garp's like, well, I tried telling uh, Son Goku that I didn't want to arrest him. Why? Because he's my grandson. Sir, you got to give a better reason than that. He's going to be like, motherfucker, get back out there and do your job, dude. <laughs> he's yeah. a wanted pirate. Because Garp is known to be like kind of clumsy in the sense of like high command. Like Luffy even mentions too, where it's like, um, for some reason, Frankie's family and the guy a lot aren't wanted, but we are. And they thought, was it Garp pulling the strings? And he's like, no, Garp's not smart enough for that. So it kind of runs along the family line where like they're really good combat wise, but in terms of like actual diplomacy or politics or backroom uh, intrigue, they're not the best. They, they, that's consistent with the family line. Maybe Ace is. He's probably the exception though. Um, right. And then Garp is not firing cannons. He's fucking throwing cannonballs. Fucking fastball special from mm-hmm. BT from Titanfall or Monkey Titan from Attack on Titan, just tossing boulders. Like, he's just chucking them, like, fastballs, side, like, sidearm, curveballs, I don't know. The Straw Hats are, like, doing everything they can to repel the cannons, but they're, he's chucking them fast. And even he's going, like, oh, man, I'm so old, they're not even half as fast as I used to throw them. And I'm like, all right, All Might, take a chill pill, all right? Because right. All Might had a similar line. In and he is ripped. Either. His build is very muscular. Oh, yeah, right? I can see that. I can see that, too. Yeah, he's like a Iroh from Avatar after his workout moment where you're like, oh, you're old, but you're buff. Like, don't underestimate this dude. Um, but while that's going on, Usopp shows up, and Usopp realizes, oh shit, they're actually trying to sail, and then Usopp's panicking. He starts preemptively starting these lines that he rehearsed for, like, the whole week they were there. Mm-hmm. It's nothing's working. Like, come on, I was just kidding. You guys didn't think I was serious. Yeah, like, come on, Chopper, you want to go fishing? You know, he's doing his lines kind of thing. And what I loved about it is, again, Zoro mentioned having a strict code, and if he doesn't say, I'm sorry, we're leaving. However... They're lenient. Both Zoro himself and Luffy are going, I don't hear anything. I can't hear anything. And Chopper is going, what do you mean you can't hear anything? He's right there pleading for us. And then, you know, they're like, I don't hear anything. I don't don't hear shit. And you can even say it too. Oh, you know, cannon fire. You know, there's battle going on. They can't hear, of course. So they're being lenient. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, they're also like, come on, Usopp, just fucking do it, dude. Just come on. And finally, when things get so desperate because all of his rehearsals aren't working, he's at the very edge of Water 7, the ship's still going away, and Usopp finally screams, I'm sorry, please, I'm sorry, 
I like he just goes on like it's full on tear mode where he's screaming across the ocean going I'm fucking sorry I didn't mean for her. I was I was stubborn he says the key things right you want to hear as a reader right like even if at this point you hate Usopp which I don't doubt you if you hate Usopp at this point he's saying I was like I was a coward I was stubborn I'm so sorry guys please it was my fault and that's always what you want to hear right you, when people mean sorry you want them to completely admit everything they did wrong and mm-hmm. he did this here and right on cue, <laughs> Luffy's arm extends all the way from the ship to the shore, and he's bawling out, crying to going, get back in here, you idiot! Hurry up and grab on! <laughs> Such a great That's a, that was a good panel, moment. too. Like, I really love just seeing Luffy's hand, like, literally stretching out to mm-hmm. grab Usopp. It was good. Uh, it was overextension, he grabs Usopp, he's back on the ship, and it's almost like nothing's happened. Like, Usopp's right away back to his old schemes. Uh, although it's very clear that, you know, you know, Luffy and Chopper are fine with that, but it's very clear, like, to Zoro and Sanji, where it's like, you just got back, why are you acting like everything's normal? So, you can probably tell there's gonna be some tension still going on within the crew, we'll see as we go forward with Usopp, but either way, Usopp's back, he, what, he did the big thing and said he was sorry, although he literally waited until, like, literally the negative last second, but he still did it, finally, so... All right, Usopp's back. We got Frankie. They make their great getaway <laughs> with Frankie's uh, unique invention with that uh, thruster we mentioned on the back of the uh, Th- Thousand Sunny, where uh, he goes, he does, he uses his coup d'event air cannon move, uh, like somewhere on the ship, and it transfers into the ship. And I don't, the, he doesn't use it. I think he just, it's like a lever or something. Some kind of, the ship does it. Oh, you know, that, that makes more sense. That makes more sense. Again, he's a cyborg, so I immediately like to think like sci-fi knowledge, where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, maybe, uh, well, we're, we were like talking about it too pre-episode or pre-recording. We're just like, oh, maybe he can plug in somewhere and, and give it extra juice because they both because we learned <laughs> he designed that Thousand Sunny to also run on cola because he's a fucking <laughs> nerd. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like this, he's a Coca-Cola fanboy, really. Like, come on. <laughs> Let's be honest, if Oda wrote this series, like, 20 years later, this would have been Monster Energy Drink. This would have been Gamer Fuel. <laughs> Unapologetic, but it's just cola. Like, like Frank isn't just a gamer, he's just a nerd. It's just, like, it runs on cola. I don't know, maybe cola in the One Piece universe actually has, like, energetic properties more so than what Frankie likes to joke around as. Or, you know, Cyborg. I Who mean, knows? that's true, I don't think... We've ever seen anyone except for Frankie drink it, so maybe it's just like oil or something. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, because we know that Frankie's body reacts to different liquids, like actually differently. But he also designed the ship to work like his body, so it's like okay, you feed it like these three giant canisters of cola, and it can fly for a kilometer for each burst. So they're literally flying away at this point, and even Garp's like, "Not bad, grandson." And then like you know, obviously like the, the, there goes on another next rival well crew to go after him. Well. Played. Well played, like the slow clap, like mm-hmm. well played. Yeah, so overall, I think just as a quick recap, I didn't even really recap. I'll just give, I'll just say that uh, I liked Usopp's whole line from beginning to end, and it was a very cathartic and satisfying ending for him leaving, coming back to the crew. It really was. I hope again. That's why I mentioned it. Where it seems like there might be some tension with some of the crew members. I really do hope that not everyone is. Super open to having him back. Like obviously, like Luffy and Chopper want him to be same old. But I hope that there's at least for a little bit, not permanently from now on. But I hope there's at least a little bit of like some awkward tension with Usopp and like maybe Zoro, right? For example. Mm-hmm. But obviously, Zoro still is happy he's back. But he's gonna be keeping an eye on him like a big brother, right? Like, okay, you're a younger brother who just did some fucked up shit, mm-hmm. but you're still family. I'm keeping my eye on. 
like that kind of mentality. So I hope they keep that going forward. Um, but yeah, they got a brand new ship. Robin's a part of the crew too. There's a little moment at the very beginning of this arc where Chopper was like, and I kept an eye on her still. <laughs> and Robin's like, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I ain't running. I ain't running. And I'm just like, yeah, Robin ain't going anywhere. She had her, she had her Arlong Park. She had her Eni's lobby. We're good. Um, so while the crew is taken off, we yeah, get another news. Ace is very badass. Oh, before that though, just real quick, we had a. I really wish more long-term shonen series did this. We have a little callback montage for like the first ten chapter, first ten pages. Oh of yeah, the, the, like the bounty reactions. Yeah, the bounty reactions. We get to see Vivi and Karu again, right? Where we get to see Alabasta Royals going. Oh my god! I hope Vivi doesn't see this. And Vivi's like, "What are you talking about? Remember, I was thinking about joining them." <laughs> And uh, yeah, because they, because from uh, they're seeing Miss All Sunday suddenly on the Star Hats crew, mm-hmm. and that's probably a little weird. And also, they, yeah, like they, oh, they have bigger targets on their head, so now they're going to be more wanted. He was like, no, they can handle it; they're good. We get to see Karu again, best boy Karu. Uh, we get to see oh, what are my favorites? We we got to see Chef Zeph and the crew laugh at Sanji's <laughs> portrait, <laughs> yeah. and they, they're just like clapping, like look at this motherfucker. That was, that was so. so that part really made me laugh because it was just so in character from everything we knew about like Patty it's, and the other cooks over there. And it's also it's rare it's kind of rare but whenever you're reading fiction or watching movies or playing games, you know that when you're watching scenes happen, you're a lot of times you th- it doesn't happen a lot, but when it has does happen, you sometimes have to go people don't really talk like that, right? Like you yeah. know the theatrical play where one, one person talks then the other. But in a moment like this, it felt so realistic where they see a wanted poster of Sanji, and they're all just busting out laughing, <laughs> yeah. just making fun of him, going, "Yeah, look at his stupid ass eyebrows and nose. Oh, yeah, he's a wanted pirate, right? What a piece of shit. <laughs> but there's Kapanana. It, it was great. I loved it so much. It was great just seeing those guys again. Yeah. Um, we get to see the mayor again uh, back at Luffy's hometown. Uh, real uh, quick. Yeah, back at Windmill. Windmill Road. Yeah, so I have a question for you, because I'm actually not sure about this. You could say just say Raffo if I'm on to something here. Mm-hmm. He drops the name uh, Dadan, D-A-D-A-N, at some da, point. Dadan, yeah. Dadan. Is that anyone important, or is that someone in the village? Raffo. Raffo, thank you. Um, but I took note of that, because I don't think I ever saw that name before, and the last time the mayor dropped something, he was mentioning about like the family behavior kind of thing, and that ended up mm-hmm. implying Ace and Luffy, So it's just or you know Goldie Roger. So you're just like, oh, that mayor knows shit. <laughs> that mayor knows, he knows that, something. Seems like that he's mayor, old too. So yeah, th- yeah, that mayor has the entirety of Oda's plot line of the family tree in his head. Just and he's just like on the lawn chair, going, ah, oh, those damn kids. <laughs> yeah. uh, we get to see Kaya and the Veggie Gang. Kaya I thought still- it was funny seeing all the the students at Zoro's old dojo. Like they're like, oh, he trained yep. here. No way. And they want. They want to be like, pirates. Uh. <laughs> They want to be, come on yeah the, yeah the teachers like try to be humble about him be like oh he didn't train to be a pirate but he's so proud of Zoro with where he went yeah. um we got to see oh, i had dude i'm not gonna lie i had such nostalgia like they went back to coco village and yeah. we got to see nojiko they got to see genzo genzo by the way was hilarious by the way he was acting <laughs> like polly where he's like, oh, they sexualized Nami, how dare they? Oh, she's slutting it out. And then it's like, Nojiko's like, then why'd you put her poster on blast yeah. on the side of the building? <laughs> why'd you blow it up a hundred times and yeah. it's on your wall? Yeah, you're being, a, you're being a hypocrite here, Genzo. But Nojiko was just so happy where she's just like, 
Nami's smiling. She's at peace. It's great. And then they showed the grave again, man. I, I wasn't ready for that. No, <laughs> you, you really had to do that? Like, really? Yeah, I need a trigger warning, man. You can't just show the grave and the twirly hat and the tangerine. You can't just do that on a whim, okay? I need a warning, okay? Arlong Park is still special to me. And then, um, rest in peace, Bellamere. And best mom. Yes, best mom. Uh, and then we got to see Akira with, uh, shoot, I forgot his name. Uh, the mayor, the new king, uh, the bull guy. Uh, do you know his name? Oh, Dalton. Yes. Dalton, thank you. Um, Dalton and Kira, they're just doing their thing on Drum Island where it's still snowing, uh, Sakura blossoms or Sakura, uh, colored snow, right? Mm-hmm. And they, you learn that, you know, Dalton's the king for sure, but he's not living in the castle. He's with the village because he's the king of the people, right? And we saw that Very it was humble. renamed Sakura. You said Sakura. Yeah, Sakura Kingdom now is what they're going by. Really? Yeah, it was a little, little box. It's like I actually, King of I actually Sakura did, I Kingdom. Did, I didn't catch that, actually. So it's no longer called Drum Island. It's now called the Sakura Kingdom. Well, it's a much better name for it. But I like the. We're not gonna, probably not going to see Dalton ever much, but I, I mm. like the fact that he was a king of the people, where he is, where he's living in the village still. He's not living in the castle. Yeah, I like Dalton. I like him as a character quite yeah. a lot. And Kira's just looking at the wanted poster of Chopper where she says the same thing like uh, Noshiko did where he's like, I'm just glad he looks happy. Like, he looks like he's made something, even though it's just a picture. Uh, we get to see Dragon and the Revolutionaries where it looks like a bunker on an island where who knows what they're going to do next. Yeah, and he, one of uh, Dragon's informants is like Straw Hat crew. They're coming up pretty fast. They're getting pretty strong. And they're from this place. And Dragon, like, I'll be back, kind of walks out. Yeah, exactly. He, says, he, he just like, looks off into the distance, and he's like, we're going to be talking soon. Right. Also, he into each it other. looks like he's also dressed pretty well. Like, he actually has, like, I think he had, like, a scarf wrapped around. Like, it looked like some good quality clothing that he had open underneath his trench coat. He had some nice boots underneath it. So, I'm curious where his angle's coming from, because when I think revolutionaries in fiction, I think of, like, you know, like, oh, the viva la revolution, like, of the people kind of thing. But in this case, it looks like he's pretty well off. In terms of like clothing, so I could be mis- misinterpreting here, but Oda is very good with character design. So again, Rappo, we'll see his deal going on. But I just noticed he looks like he's pretty well dressed, considering he's supposed to be a revolutionary leader. Because usually, in trope sense, talking, or it could be a subversion, right? Subversion of tropes, where if you're a revolutionary leader, usually you're dressed like one of the people, right? Like maybe you have like a cigar, right? If you're going with the the, the Cuban look, but. You usually are your your clothes are a little dirty yourselves, right? You're not super clean. Kind of like, like yeah. going back on it, the rebels back at uh, Alabasta, where um, shoot, Vivi's friend. Do you know his name? Do you remember his name? Koza. Koza, thank you. Like he wasn't properly dressed either. He just looked like one of the, one of the people. So again, right, little right, right. little notice I made here because Dragon is definitely going to be an important character going forward. It's Luffy's dad for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, but enough about all this boring shit, okay? We took about an hour and a half talking about all this boring stuff, okay? We right. gotta talk about real shit, okay? We gotta talk about Ace versus the Blackbeard Pirates. Ace, Ace versus Blackbeard Pirates. And what this means going forward, because the end of the arc is now, I'm gonna correct myself, because last episode I said it feels like the end of a saga. This chapter yes, makes it, it seem like it's the end of a saga. And I, I noticed, like, this time, or I felt this time when I was reading it, like, their early, uh, that conversation between Ace and Blackbeard is like, mm-hmm. Blackbeard is just, it's like, if he's playing d and I just feel like he's rolling zeros consistently. He's like, oh, that's my old captain, I'll hit him with the charisma check. You know, he's mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, what's up, Ace? He's like, cut the shit. Like, yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> and, like, the <laughs> and then he tries, uh, what was it he said after? 
I I don't remember the whole conversation to be honest. I just know that Ace was confrontational with Blackbeard. Uh, Maybe instead, like, I'll try an ambition role. Like, let me try to appeal to his ambition. Like, hey, right, I'm gonna he tries to recruit him. Luffy and get really famous, and he's like, bro. He does, and he does Come this on. Few, he does this a few times too. Even at the end of this fight, Blackbeard was still trying to get aced on his side. Like he was doing the whole like, you know, joining. Well, I go. think like we were saying, when it comes down to like individual pieces, taking a piece like Ace off of a Yonko crew, I think is Ace is clearly very strong, as we can see here. Uh, so if you can gain a piece like that, that's beneficial to whatever goal you could possibly have. Apologi- apologies for the pun, but you could say Ace is Whitebeard's ace in the hole. So that's yeah. why <laughs> yeah. Blackbeard wants him. And let's be honest, like, it's been a long time since we've seen Ace in action, but just one chapter, we see Flash Fire Fist, we see, like, this, uh, we th- I think we see Supernova, I think it's a new move, or Emperor mm-hmm. Sun, I forget what it's called. Yeah. We see, like, yeah, a yeah. pillar of light that looks like Trunks' move from Dragon Ball Z, where he just shoots right up in the air. Like, whatever Ace is attacking, like, I'm not a huge advocate for the action scenes, where I'm like, you know, eye candy, whatever, but whatever Ace is doing it, the few times he is, I'm just like, Dude, if, like, the people who animated Demon Slayer animated this scene, dude. Oh, oh no. Oh, uh, yeah. Inject the drugs straight into my yeah. veins. Oh, inject it. <laughs> How good that would look. But we're talking about Ace here. We know He's, he's very point. stylish. He's, he was going to destroy all of the Blackbeard pirates if oh, yeah. Blackbeard himself had not been there. And he's still a good-looking dude, let's be And this here. is the pirate crew strong enough to take on Entire Kingdom by themselves. Absolutely, absolutely. But the big, big thing is Blackbeard reveals exactly what he killed the officer for, Whitebeard officer, to get. And he reveals it's the power of darkness, right? It's quite literal, so I'm not going to go into the whole jokes about Kingdom Hearts bullshit. Like, no. (laughs) It's literally, it's gravity. It's Mm. black hole shit. And immediately I'm going, on one hand, if this is, like, my hero reference, if Uraraka gets this powerful in the future, holy shit. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, this is bad. Like, this is OP as fuck. Yes. As soon as Blackbeard gets serious with what, one yeah, of his attacks. I think when you see this power and you realize that was the master plan, or at least the, the step, right? The first step, the kickstart yeah, of the master step. plan that Shanks assumed he had, you get scared. You're like, ooh, oh no. He's gonna yeah. do something bad. <laughs> Very bad. But the main the main thing for me that really alerted me to this was we know Blackbeard's crew. They're hardcore motherfuckers. They they struck the fir- they made the first blow against Ace when they realized you know diplomacy had failed. So they're mm-hmm. taking no action. hesitation. Yeah, no hesitation. Yeah, but Blackbeard acts and the Blackbeard crew is frantic like cartoon characters and they're running the fuck away. There's no like casual badass slow walk away or or you know maybe like a friendly jog no they're hightailing the fuck out of there even the guy the the wrestler who loves action is getting the fuck out of dodge and you're going oh shit so this black hole power is the real deal and the the only flaw to this power like uh, not like in the meta sense sorry in in universe the only flaw seems to be that he absorbs everything, including pain. So even little attacks that should have no effect on him because he's like a double fruit user, it still hurts him immensely because he absorbs <laughs> everything. But he converts any anything and everything, including pain, into his power source. So like like when Ace was like playing around, shooting like little like little you know like little fireworks at his body, and then, and then like Blackbeard was like, ah, that fucking hurts. And then you know Ace is like, that shouldn't have hurt you. And then Blackbeard's like. Yeah, but let me show you my regular attack. And then he absorbs his power away from him. 
And I'm just like, this is Lovecraftian shit, and I'm loving it so much. Where yeah, so it's like he neg- seems to like negate devil fruit powers while he's touching them, and he, he's just like a normal person. Yeah, at he that just he's, yeah, but even he doesn't even have to touch him because well, I guess you could say touch him with his power. I guess not physically because I, it all seems like it was is, only when he had his hand on his arm that he couldn't use his powers. Right? No, I think well, okay, when he completely absorbed him because Ace was completely caught off guard because. He was sucked in right away, right? And that's when he went, oh, shit, what the fuck? And that's when he couldn't do anything after he touched him, right? Right, yeah. So, I guess it's, it's vague. Uh, no, I think I think what you're saying is right. I think I'm just misunderstanding it. But, yeah. I, I, he, I would say it's unconfirmed, actually, so, you know, at who, this point. Who knows? So, because he does respond to Blackbeard after Blackbeard gets that first, you know, hit in, right? Where he's like, yeah, if I get to you, you can't use any power. Your Devil Fruit is gone. So there is a, now a way in universe for Devil Fruit users to lose their power. It may not be, or sorry, that's not the Seeds to Prism Stones. Because right. he's straight up absorbing it. So that's another factor in. And then Ace is now defending himself. Like he's in full on defense mode now, where, you know, he's trying to be absorbed again. But Ace is doing everything. He's doing all his level three supers. He's doing everything he can to keep him back. We see that mention, that move I mentioned, the Emperor's Son. That looks like the biggest fucking... It looks like... Yeah. You know what? It reminds me of Vegeta in the Buu Saga. His ultimate attack. That, oh, that yeah. iconic mm-hmm. scene. It looked like that. And then, yeah. and then Blackbeard did the same thing. And it looks like the whole island of Bonaro is just wiped out. I wouldn't be surprised if we see it in the future. And it's just a crater or two craters. Yeah. Because what we see is Ace's hat. And then we get the text. The duel at Bonaro Island in the Grand Line. This battle between pirates would later be identified, like, as if we're post-context historians, right? Or maybe even Robin, who knows, because she's the archaeologist. This battle between pirates would later be identified as the trigger for the major events that were to follow. End Saga 1 of One Piece. That Yeah, that's very much what it feels like, right? Like, you're definitely kind of gotten, like, a very complete and really intriguing introduction to the world. And now we've seen like all the factions, we kind of have all the pieces and understand a little more. Now it's like, now it's about to really get going in part two, which is usually where you'd be getting a big climax and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So at this point, you know, we're kind of worried too, like what happened to Ace? I'm pretty sure Ace didn't die, but regardless what happened here, like I think it's safe to say Ace lost the fight or at the very least, maybe a stalemate. Where he's he retreated, but he's really battered and broken. But he was at ground zero for those major attacks. We now, but regardless, the major thing that this revealed is that Blackbeard is probably threat number one. Like he is the active agent of chaos. Right. He is the one that wants to be king of the pirates, but he's willing to eviscerate anything and everything to do. Whereas at least the government, if you kiss ass, which is probably just as bad as death, but if you kiss ass, then at least you get to live. Right. Yeah. Whereas Blackbeard is like, maybe you could, but he's not going to bother with you if you're not strong enough to keep up. So there's the requirements are much higher. So it really feels like Blackbeard is like the priority threat, more so than Dragon, more so than the world government, more so than the, the Buster Call fleet. Because I'm looking at Blackbeard and I'm going, that Buster Call fleet, we just saw it eviscerate Ohara and E's lobby. That fleet looks like nothing compared to this one power. The black hole. Mm-hmm. So curious where they where they go with this because we still have we still have the other warlords 
Like, we only met Crocodile as one of the seven warlords. Sorry, we only fought one of the... Wait. We fought two warlords or one? We fought... Mihawk. Although that doesn't really count. <laughs> we fought Mihawk, yeah. Wait, right in quotes. Here. In head quotes. Mm-hmm. Mihawk. Yeah. Um, um, it's been Crocodile so far. And we saw the two other guys. We saw the puppet guy and yeah, then so the bear guy. so far, just Croc. Yeah. So we still have all those guys. We have the, what's it called? The Florian Triangle? What's it called? Yeah, the Florian Triangle. And Fishman Island. Um, I think I remember them saying that Arlong's brother is one of the warlords. I could be wrong about that. That was way back then. Um, Either way, I don't know if he's a warlord, but Arlong's brother was a big-time pirate at the very least. Yeah, or a big-time yeah. big leader. So we might see him in Fishman Island, which is going to sprout a lot of emotions from Nami. We already saw that when... They mentioned Fishman Island, and she's, like, not really happy about it. She's like, right. oh, boy. So there's still there's still pent-up shit in there. And hopefully, you know, that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't form into, like, racism for Fishmen. Hopefully not. But mm-hmm. your sample pool is very small for the Straw Hats, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, seriously. And, yeah, there's just so much to expect going on in this, in this arc. And I'm glad to say the Water 7 saga is probably my favorite arc in fiction. If you say Water wow, 7, nice. Eni's Lobby, and Post Knees Lobby, all together, right? Just mm-hmm. everything that I want. You got Oof. character I might, challenges. I might actually agree with that, because One Piece is my favorite work of fiction. And then you have the favorite arc within it. Because, mm-hmm. like we mentioned earlier, we got a brand new character, Frankie. We got the reintroduction of Usopp. Or, sorry, uh, the character background of Robin. We get the challenging and the challenges and development of Usopp, we get the tearjerker of the Merigo and the Thousand Sunny reintroduction, the beautiful world of Water 7, and the ugly world of Eni's Lobby. So there's just so much in this arc. And then, again, the ending, the post-Eni's Lobby, of just what's to come. And you're just like, this is like end of Saga 1. So if this is the ending of Saga 1, it's the best fucking ending to a saga I can think of. Yeah. Apolo- uh, congrats to Oda for doing so. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. You know, small okay. things. Small things. So were there any shifts in your Straw Hat ranking? Zoro. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 So I have my rankings here, and it includes Frankie. I hope you don't mind. Of course. It has to. No. It has to. So originally, Zoro was actually, I think, second to last on my list originally. Um, but post Eni's Lobby. So this is basically Eni's Lobby and post Eni's Lobby put together. Uh-huh. So, I have, I know, for those of you who love Sanji, I'm sorry, he's back at last place. Uh, um, but, yeah, it, like I, but like, yeah, but like I said, be, yeah, but like I said before, um, this is not because I hate the character. I'm tolerating more of his nuances, and he still has funny moments. Again, he has the funniest moment in this arc, where yeah. Zeph and the crew are laughing at him, and then his reaction to the art. Like, he has the funniest moment. But at the end of the day, those still I still have to tolerate those nuances. Um, but either way, that's fair. So, that's fair. Um, but I don't feel good about this because think about it. The next two I'm gonna say are like, yeah, this is this is this is just this sucks. Chopper <laughs> next. Chopper's Chop, next. Chopper's next. Yeah. I wanted to put him higher because his Hulk form is so fascinating to me. Where I'm just like, mm-hmm. it is tropey, but it just looks so damn cool. And that what it does to his character, where he's like, yeah, this little cute innocent doctor who really thinks things out. But if he's forced into a corner, he will literally be Banner turning into the Hulk kind of thing. Yeah. So, 
And Chopper's so cute. You, would, you will not like him when he's angry. Yeah, and Chopper's so cute. I hate putting him that solo. <laughs> um, so now it's the, now everything just this is so fucking hard because next is Zoro on the list, and I'm like, why is he here? And I'm just like, because everyone else I like better. <laughs> <laughs> Only I, one spot up for Zoro. Oh god! Like if if I'm gonna like puss out, I would say every straw hat is number two, and then my <laughs> number one is number one. But no yeah. one walks lists for that reason. Um, Zoro gets a great moment in this arc. His action is really good. The only thing that held him back is only because in the power up rankings that we mentioned in the last arc, he probably had the lamest power up where he just had mm-hmm. Popeye arms, but it's still kind of funny. And he had the Asura's wrap, multiple arms yeah. kind of look. Um, then I'm gonna put Frankie. And I wanted to put Frankie in the top three, but... <laughs> wow, so Robin what? Usopp Luffy top three. Oh, yeah. wait, no, and Nami still. Yeah, Nami's still, Nami's still up for debate. So he's still on top four, yeah. Yeah, so we're at number five right now, Frankie. Mm-hmm. So this is the bottom half, basically. I guess it's easier to say there's a top half and a bottom half of characters. Yeah. But yeah, Frankie is around the fringe of being in the top half because he's just so entertaining. I have a bias for Cyborg. He had the cock and ball torture scene, which is memorable. And yeah, and then he joins the crew. And always, there's always that honeymoon phase where a character just joins and you're like, I can't wait to see what uh, their potential is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we'll see what goes forward. The, Frankie could very easily be at the very bottom because he could easily be a comic relief character like Usopp, but in a more brute way and not like in a yeah. cartoony Blue Tunes way. So we'll see. Um, four is Nami. And I hate that oh, so much. It hurts. Uh, it hurts. <laughs> that's crazy. That's the lowest she's uh, ever been, I think. <laughs> so after this podcast, I'm going to get back into my bunker and hide because I feel like people are going to go after me. Because for the longest time, oh, Nami's, fans have turned against you. Nami's been number one on my list for so long. And in these last two arcs, like say is the best arc in fiction to me. And she's lower than the top three. And I have to remind people, just because something is your favorite of all time or your best at something, it doesn't mean everything's perfect. Unfortunately, the one yeah. downside of the entirety of this Water 7 arc saga was, her is, yeah. was the first half of her fight. And that, unfortunately... Oh, and on a personal note, that she didn't wear the Union Jack dress for the entirety of the saga. That's a major <laughs> points off. That's, yeah, that's a huge on. missed opportunity. Like, he tried to make it up for it with the, the polka dot bikini at the end, which was great, by the way. Great leg. But, I know what you did. You can't forget. You can't even forget. Unforgivable. <laughs> Unforgivable. Aesthetics are very important. Um, three is Usopp. Originally, I had Usopp at two, even one at some point. Okay, so Luffy come up a bit, too. You had him at four, I think, recently, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, well, Luffy's always been number two or three on my list. I think he was one at one point, too. But he's always been top three consistently for Luffy. But anyway, Usopp was number one at the beginning of Water 7, or at the end of Water 7, specifically, that arc. Mm-hmm. where his character was going through so many challenges and so many growths and development, and he's in the top three still for me, not as a comic relief character, but as a character who's fully grown. Yeah. This could also easily have him drop if, like I said, those moments where those developments are kind of forgotten as we go forward, which is a challenge. Like, there's so many crew members, there's eight at least, and then there's also new future characters, new people that are even crew members. So it's always hard to have like those story elements maintain and consist. But Oda is really good at that. So I have faith that if 
you know, if what I get, sorry, if what I want is possible, Oda can do it. But if it doesn't yeah, happen, yeah. then he'll easily drop. But right now, he's top three for me. Plus, he has that new gadget, that new um, ear. Yeah, the what's it called again? The Kabuto. The what's it called? Oh yeah, uh, yeah, Kabuto. Kabuto. Yeah, he's got that going on too, which makes him much more reliable in terms of support and artillery fire. Um, and also with again that great last second save at Inu's lobby. Mm-hmm. Um, two. That was, that's the best do up moment so far. Yeah, and then two. Our boy Luffy, consistently entertaining. He's constantly a great character, even though Ooh, Robin's number one. Let's go. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wait. Spoilers, man. Um, so Luffy is constantly always like he's has such small moments of development, but when they happen, they're so like out there and incredibly great moment. And plus, mm-hmm. like I said, the fights I'm not too huge on. Like I'll brush through them. I'll like them. Like you know, Chopper's transformation, for example. But Luffy's fight, like, especially the very beginning against Luchi at Inu's lobby was so fucking good. No dialogue, just oh, yeah, it was great. Inter- interchange of moves, changing of stances, just testing each other's water. Like, none of them are in their next form. Like They're- we said, that's, like, amongst the best action he's ever put to panels with how easy to follow it is and how well choreographed. Mm-hmm. I think, honestly, the less dialogue, the better. But for some characters like Chopper or Nami, you can't help it. But... With like, but in this case with Luffy, it just it was just a great fight. And then again, you got that great, uh, the classic JoJo Oro 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 Gatling Cannon kind of move at the end against Luchi. Where again, everything Luffy does, it's super entertaining. It's so great. Even the random uh, upgrade gear system that comes out of nowhere. At least it's quote unquote balanced. At least right now, yeah. so it's not like okay, he just got a random Super Saiyan with no reason. It's like no, he got Kaioken, right? Mm-hmm. They, they just skipped the part where he had the whole training montage of going to the afterworld and going to yeah. uh, um, King K. So, <laughs> and then number one, of course, is our girl Robin, where she went from bottom of my list, even below Sanji at some points, of just like, she's a mysterious character, I don't know what her deal is, and just we'll see what's going on, right? And then we get Water 7, Eni's Lobby, and immediately I'm like, this is such a great fleshed out character with a tragic backstory that relates to me on a personal level because of my own personal interest in history and how much world building it did too. Like, that's another thing where Eni's Lobby has over Arlong Park, where uh, Nami's backstory is really touching and tragic too. But the world building is limited to just, this is how Arlong started. Whereas Robin's backstory is, this is the government at work. This is the deal yeah. with Jaguar D. Saul. Here's uh, Okiji. Here's Bandom's fucking stupid family. Yeah, her backstory is like, this is how the world really is. Yeah, and here is the tragedy of Ohara. And that kingdom, again, that we never got the name of because the guy got shot. The Cloverleaf professor who got shot before he could say the name. But right. the government's efforts to try and wipe that completely off the memory, off the grid. So we get all of this on top of an equally tragic, if not more tragic, backstory than Nami. And I'm like, with, again, that amazing scene of take me to the sea with you. I want, I'm just, oh, such a great moment. So for now, Robin's right. at the top of the list. Deservedly so. at all. Deservedly so. But man, that bottom half of my list is so bad. Because <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah. dude, so- Zoro should be top half. No, Chopper should be top half. Sanji should be top half. Well, he was great in Water 7. For- and he had a good fight in his lobby. It was short, quick, to the point. 
yeah. Frankie, is it brand new? Like, oh, just, oh, these lists are more painful. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. Oh, all right, but let's uh, get into what we're reading next week, shall we? Maybe. But first, if they wanted to talk to you about anything in One Piece up to this point, or maybe some other anime, such as My Hero Academia, which you're Possibly. completely caught up with, where could they find oh, yeah. you? They can find me at Jacob Miranda on Twitter, where I share memes, or occasionally now I'm sharing like little clips of me playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, where I have like little 30-second clips of me fighting bosses, I'm trying to get like, some good, cool cinematic moments. But I'm just inspired by the other people on Twitter who, like, who post like really cool like, camera-shifting moves where they're fighting with characters. I'm like, okay, I can't do the camera shifting thing because I don't have the software for that. I've been trying to learn how to do edits where you mix those same types of scenes and make it, you know, like you change the characters and like make it look like they're fighting someone else. Okay, yeah. I'm trying to learn how to edit that and it's been really fun. Yeah, because I recently uh, was, I'm replaying the remake on hard mode and I I went through the Airbuster fight, which has fucking one of the best themes in the entire game. So, and I managed to get, like, a summon to do their ultimate during, like, the crescendo of the choir going, like, during their (laughs) ultimate. So, I'm like, I have to share it. So, and then for future clips, I upped the volume of the music compared to the other audio so you can hear the music clearly in the clips. Nice. Listen, presentation is very important. Megamind taught us this, okay? Oda knows this. So, that's the kind of content you'll get on Jacob's Twitter? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, talk about anything One Piece all the way caught up and almost pretty much anything running in Shonen Jump currently. I'm about to catch up to Chainsaw Man. I'm caught up with Jujutsu Kaisen and My Hero Academia. So at least all the big stuff. So hit me up on Twitter for some some cool anime discussions at Jitsu, J-I-T-S-Z-U, or on YouTube as well at Jitsu. Mm-hmm. For next week now, we are reading The Any- Ark. That covers chapter. Damn it. <laughs> I'm just <kidding. laughs> The next arc is called Thriller Bark, which doesn't help you at oh. all. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Title. No, yeah, it doesn't. So we're reading Thriller Bark, which runs from chapters 442 to 489. Mm. It is 48 chapters. Whether or not we'll get it all discussed in one episode, we will see. We'll see. Maybe. Who knows? I think it's possible in like a two hour, hour 45, hour and a half episode. Maybe. It depends. If it, it depends if it's like Skypea or if it's like Alabasta, we'll see. Yeah. But yeah so yeah, around 442 to 489 is what we're going to be. You can just read the whole thing, you, Jacob, and, and listeners, if you would like, and we'll discuss it in the next episode or two. Oh, yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in. Catch you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>